all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality. And the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life, well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week to help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host for the day, Erica Middlemiss. I am just another reflection and extension of you who will be here filling in for our beloved host, Brandon Beecham, leading the way to ensure your perspective is consistently expanded, your vibration is constantly elevated, and your heart is overflowing and full. Also, this episode of the Positive Head Podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. All right, all you positive heads, welcome back to another episode. Today is a beautiful, magical Monday. It's a day after a very magical day, Earth Day. I hope you all enjoyed the magic of yesterday. I know a lot of you could feel it, as could I. Um, I actually spent the weekend up in Sedona, which is probably one of the most magical places here in this country and probably on the Earth. What a beautiful place. If you've never been able to get there, I would highly recommend it. Um, We spent the weekend camping by the creek in Oak Creek Canyon. And wow, just what a beautiful place. Had some lunch at at the Chocolate Tree, which is definitely a go-to place. If you ever go to Sedona, highly recommend it. Beautiful, organic, vegetarian food with lots of amazing people and lots of smiles and and peaceful atmosphere. Um, so yes, I hope you all respected our mother yesterday, enjoyed her beauty and took in the magic of the day. So yeah. Um, today, um, I'm going to get into another couple episodes, episodes, chapters of the bird tribes. I've read this um, in a couple other episodes. Chapters one and two were on episode 631, and chapters three and four were on 660. So I'll get into the next two today. Um, You know, I love this book. It's definitely a favorite of ours here at The Positive Head, and I know many of you love it as well. And I love it because it's like a guide to ascension. You know, it's it's definitely, you can take every single lesson in this book and use it to get those uh, messages to help you evolve and help you increase your vibration, which is, as many of us can feel, what's happening on the earth at this time. We are ascending. We're moving into a new earth. 
And um, I don't know if many of you may or may not know, I'm a, a QHHT practitioner, um, which is Dolores Cannon's method of hypnosis. Um, it involves past life regression and contact with the higher self. And I've been getting lots of beautiful messages out of some sessions lately about this new earth ascension. Um, many of you have maybe heard it called the event. And, and, what the messages have been is that, you know, this isn't just a single event that's happening, kind of like 2012 or Y2K. Um, it's not a single event that's just going to happen and everything changes immediately. It's a gradual energetic increase that's happening every day and is going to be happening different for each one of us. And so that's the the messages that have been coming through is that, for each one of us, this process is going to be different, although it's happening gradually, gradually every day. The earth is ascending and she is going through her process as we are going through our own internal process. And so this will be an individual thing for all of us, although we're all doing it. So welcome to our new earth every day, y'all. So before I get into bird tribes today, I'm going to read a review and this one was written by Annie. And Annie says, thank you. Brandon, thank you. Thank you for your love and light and positivity and growth. This is my go-to podcast. Go-to for anything, really. If I'm going to be spending time listening to anything, I pick this. This podcast fills me up, changes my perspective, allows me to share the love throughout the day and all the other good things. The pals you hang with on Wednesdays are so fun. The messages from everyone you have on the show are always perfect. I'm grateful for the energy that is put into this podcast. Thank you for doing five days a week. Thank you for being a beautiful reflection. All the love, Annie. Annie, thank you. And thank you for being a beautiful reflection. We really appreciate when any of you write a review. It really helps other people find us and really fuels Brandon's fire every day. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. So without further ado, let's get into the bird tribes. And I'm really excited today because this is my favorite chapter. Um, chapter five is called White Buffalo Calf Woman. Here we go. She came from the stars. To many tribes she came. Though each knew her by a different name, you might see her now as two young Sioux hunters first saw her, walking barefoot like a vision across the low rolling hills of the prairie. They had climbed to the top of one such hill, looking for game, for some sign of movement on the broad rolling sea of grasses. Far away, they saw a dot upon the horizon. They watched it carefully. By the time it disappeared behind the hill before them, they were almost certain it was human. With bated breath, they waited. At last, upon the crest of the hill, a young woman appeared wearing a beautiful white buckskin dress, decorated with dark porcupine quills. At her side, she carried a skin pouch. An eagle feather woven into her long, braided black hair caught the light of the early afternoon. Remarking upon her extraordinary beauty, the first of the warrior braves exclaimed how he would like to couple with her there in the sun-warmed prairie grass. Put aside such thoughts, spoke the other brave. This is a sacred woman, a vision perhaps, certainly not one to be approached in that manner. But to his surprise, 
The woman in white buckskin smiled at the lusty warrior and said to him, Come to me, you shall have what you desire. And so, the second brave was left standing alone on the prairie, watching as his brother walked off, apparently enjoying the mysterious woman in the swirling cloud of dust that for a while hid them both from sight. But when the dust had settled enough to see, there was the woman, bringing slowly together the stitches of her dress. At her feet, partially decomposed, lay a corpse, alive with worms, beetles, and a cloud of hungry flies. Then, white buffalo calf woman, who was the form in which the great spirit had come to teach the people of the plains, spoke to the young brave, who now remained alone, and said, A man who looks first to a woman's outer beauty will never know her beauty divine, for there is dust upon his eyes, and he is as good as blind. But a man who sees a woman in the spirit of the Great One, and who sees her beauty first in spirit and in truth, that man will know God in that woman. And she should choose to lie with him. He will share with her in enjoyment more fully than the former ever could, and all will be as it should. You, when you looked upon me, were not blind to my beauty, but your first thoughts were, Who is she, this beautiful woman? What is it that makes her countenance glow in the sun, afternoon sun? What thoughts are those that dance behind her eyes? From what land does she come? With what tidings? And so, my young friend, have no fear. You too shall have what you desire. You and your friend symbolize two paths that the men of a tribe can take. If you seek first the sacred vision of the great spirit, you will see as the creator sees, and in that seeing, you will find that what you need from the earth will come readily into your hands. But if you seek first to secure your earthly desires and forget the spirit, you will die inside. In the olden days, most of the men took your path, but in this age, many men are now going the path of your fallen brother. What you saw in the cloud was a speeded-up lifetime. Your brother lived many years in those moments, while you saw only a swirl of dust. It was not so bad for him, as you might imagine. He lived a life that many in this forgetful age would even say was a good one. But he was ruled ever by his passions. In the end, his body turned to dust, for all his thoughts were dust. He had forgotten not only the great spirit— but his own spirit as well. He contributed nothing of meaning to me, to womankind, or to the people of the plains. Then the younger hunter asked the woman who she was. With eyes black as midnight pools between the stars, she looked steadily at him for a moment, as if her gaze alone gave obvious answer. I am the spirit of truth, she replied at last. Your people know me as the mother of the old ones. But as you can see for yourself, I am not so old as all that. I am no older than any stalk of grass waving in the wind or any prairie flower. I am the great mother who lives inside every mother, a girl who plays with every sister child. I am the face of the great spirit your people have forgotten. I have come to talk to the nations of the plains. Go before me to your village. 
Tell your chief to prepare a generous teepee that will accommodate all of the people of your camp. I will be there shortly. I have some things to teach you, sacred things that your tribe has forgotten. In awe and excitement, the young hunter ran back to his people and told his chief of all he had seen. Now the chief of this young man's tribe was named Standing Hollow Horn, a name that no chief would have had in healthier days, for it was well symbolized the hollowness and bravado that by this time had come to typify all too many men of the plains. Yet, Standing Hollow Horn was not a thoughtless or an evil man. After hearing the young man's tale, he set to work along with others to build a great teepee of many skins in which the people of camp could gather. For the weather that early in the year was often wild and stormy in the evenings, and Standing Hollow Horn would not have the people distracted from the teachings of one whom he suspected might well be Mother of the Stars. When the people saw white buffalo calf woman approaching them across the prairie, they were amazed. They were expecting one of greater years, yet she appeared no older than a maiden. As grateful as the grasses that waved around her in the twilight, her face glowed with a radiance that spoke of wildflowers, watercress, and the finest of herbs. As she walked through the center of the village, many a warrior had first thoughts like those of their fallen brother. But they had heard by now the story of his fate, and they practiced a discipline of thought that to some of them was new. Barefoot, as she walked always upon the earth in her travels, white buffalo calfwoman entered the teepee of many skins, her white buckskin dress radiating the presence of her spirit. Without speaking a word, she walked slowly in a circle around the fire that burned in the center of the teepee. As each of her sun-brown feet touched the sand, all who watched felt her prayerful reverence for the earth. Seven times, slowly and in silence, she walked around the fire. Few could look into her eyes. Those who dared saw pools of perfect blackness. So large were her pupils that those who looked into them could see the mirror of their face and the reflected flickering of the council fire. And they felt that they were looking at themselves, seeing themselves as they truly were, not exaggerating their strengths, nor ignoring their failings, but as they were, naked and revealed. Those who could not with honesty look into the eyes of white buffalo calf woman did not look at all. Even before she opened her mouth to speak, her bearing and example had given the people of the Sioux the greatest teaching those present had ever received. When she spoke at last, her voice was like the song of waters singing upon the rocks, like the song of prairie birds calling above the meadows. It reminded those who heard it of the wind that whispered around their teepees at night and whistled through the branches of the mountain pines. Seven times, she said, I have circled this fire in reverence and in silence. This fire symbolizes the love that burns forever in the heart of the Great Spirit. It is the fire that warms the heart of every buffalo, every buffalo calf, every prairie dog, every sage hen, every eagle, and every human being. You people of the Sioux are like a single being. This teepee of many skins is your body. This fire that burns at your center is your love. The fire of your love is at times expressed sexually. Here she paused and looked deeply into the eyes of those around her, 
There is a creative as well as destructive way for this to occur. Passion that roars out of control is like a wild grass fire that destroys everything in its path. But tempered with wisdom, that same passion can fuel whole generations. It can warm a thousand lodges through a hundred snowy winters and give its power to your children and to your children's young. Those, like the young man whose bones now lie beneath the prairie moonlight, who think first of the sexual expression of this fire, and only second, if they think at all, of the spirit behind it, lock themselves into cycles of suffering and illusion, cycles that were unknown among our people a few short centuries ago, but which now are debilitating your nation, weakening your vitality, and draining away your power. Creation does not take place where there is a scattering and dissipation of energies. Creation requires a gathering together and focusing of your power within a circle of commitment, like a seed, an egg, a womb, or a marriage. If you would create and not destroy, you must remember always the sacred hoop. Consider wisely the ways in which you would use your power and then around those ways, draw the sacred circle of commitment. In the warm atmosphere of that circle, the power of love builds and builds like a storm above the wet summer prairie until suddenly the circle can hold no more and explodes in the conception of the new. This fire is more powerful than any one of you, White Buffalo Catwoman said, pointing as she did to the flames dancing in the teepee center. And the seven sacred circles I have walked around it represent the seven worlds that it has created. You here live in all seven of those worlds, but you are conscious only of one, the physical, the external. You have forgotten the inner worlds, the worlds of vision, the world from which I come and in which my kind lives. I am dressed like you, people of the plains, but my tribe is not Sue. She paused a moment and slowly bent forward to pull a burning branch from the flames. My tribe is the firebird, she stated quietly. I am one of the bird people, whose tribe once covered the island of the turtle. Do you remember the winged ones of heaven? The firebirds? The thunder tribes? How long has it been since you called to us in your councils? She walked once slowly around the fire, holding up the burning branch and looking searchingly into their faces for an answer. All eyes turned to the storytellers. The storytellers were silent. Your people have forgotten, White Buffalo Calf Woman continued, that which is more precious than water. You have forgotten your connection with the Great Spirit. I have come, she said, holding the burning branch above her, with a fire from heaven to kindle again your memory of what has been, and to strengthen you for the times to come. She then placed the branch back into the fire and took from her side the pouch she carried. Many only now noticed this pouch for the first time. They were amazed at the beautiful beadwork and porcupine quill designs on its surface. In this pouch, she said, is a pipe. That pipe is sacred. I give it to you to help you remember the teachings that I bring. Always treat this pipe with respect. Carry it, and the others you may make after its fashion only in bags of the finest skin, decorated by only the most reverent of hands. Not yet opening the skin pouch that contained the pipe, but placing it reverently near the fire and occasionally gesturing toward it, 
White Buffalo Calf Woman explained the use of the pipe. Fill this pipe with a sacred tobacco grown especially for the purpose. Draw your first breath of smoke from this pipe as a breath of gratitude to the Great Spirit, from whose breath you were first given life. Use the smoke of this pipe to represent your thoughts, prayers, and aspirations. Send them upward with your exaltations to the Great One, Wankantanka, Grandfather of All. Each time you do this, pass the pipe slowly and reverently among those who may be gathered with you while each offers his first inhalation to the Great One above this world. Then, with your second breath of the sacred tobacco, let your thoughts be of love and gratitude to your mother, the earth. Give thanks for the grasses that clothe her breasts in prairies of flowering grain. Give thanks for the canopy of blue sky that she holds for you as a world in which to live. Give thanks for the storm clouds that bring rain to the prairies, filling creeks, waterholes, springs, and ponds. With reverence, pass the pipe around the circle while each one takes a second breath of the sacred smoke and does the same. Let your third breath be for the four-footed and the feathered ones, for the buffalo and the prairie chickens, for the fishes in your rivers, and for all the creatures of this good earth. And let your fourth breath be for the Ongui Hongui. Let your prayer be that your tribe will always remain among them, and that one day the people who remain true to reality will include all the nations of the world. All this time, she had not yet opened the pouch in which she held the pipe. Now, she slowly untied the leather thongs that bound it, and lifting a corner, reached within to pull from the white skin pouch a pipe of red stone. The manner in which she raised this pipe for all to see spoke of such reverence that all within the great teepee grew still. Many in that moment found their hearts full. Tears glistened in many eyes. This sacred pipe spoke white buffalo calf woman, and every breath of sacred smoke you breathe through its stem will help you remember that every breath you take is sacred. The bowl of the pipe is made of red stone. It is in the shape of a circle. It symbolizes the sacred hoop, the sacred circle of giving and receiving, of in-breathing and out-breathing, in which all living things come to life through the power of the Great One. Asking for some tobacco, White Buffalo Calf Woman filled the pipe, saying, This tobacco, I know, was grown in your most fertile soil and given your most special care. It symbolizes the plant world, the moss upon the stones, the flowers, the herbs, the leaves of grass that cover the hillsides, lest your mother lie naked in the sun. You, my people of the Sioux, are here to care for the earth. Your life is lit from that same fire that burns in the heart of the great spirit, Wankantanka. So saying, she struck a small twig into the fire until it burned brightly. Just as I light this individual twig from the great fire that burns in the center of this teepee, so each individual human being is a flame taken from the eternal fire of God's love. Slowly, she moved the flaming twig away from the central fire and held it up for all to see. This, your individual human life, like the single flame that burns upon this twig, is sufficient to light a great fire. As long as the love that burns within you is turned toward self-centered pursuits, it will remain tiny like this flame. Remaining tiny, it will bring you no joy. 
Eventually, in the swirling winds of spirit, it will be extinguished. But when you live in harmony with the great spirit, your flame of love is fanned by those same spirit winds. You are in love with the very purpose of life. You light the fire of love in all you meet. You know the purpose of your walk through this world, and you know why the Great One gave you a life flame. Not so that you could keep your tiny flame to yourself, loving what you need alone, but so that you could give it away, and with the fire of your love, bring consciousness to the earth. So saying, she held the burning twig until the flame was just above the red bowl of the pipe. The pipe center she touched the fire inhaling softly through the stem until the tobacco glowed brightly. The first wafts of the sacred smoke drifted through the room. It was as if those present were seeing a pipe lit for the first time. Just as the tobacco that burns within this pipe of earth represents the plant kingdom, continued white buffalo calf woman, so this buffalo you see carved on the stone bowl of the pipe represents the four-legged creatures that share with you this sacred world. Etanoha. These twelve feathers hanging from the stem of the pipe have come from Wambli Galishka, the spotted eagle. They are to remind you of the feathered races with whom you share the great circle of the sky, but they are also to remind you of your spirit selves, the bird tribes, the winged ones of heaven. As I now pass this pipe to you and you give thanks to the great spirit with your first breath of tobacco, let these feathers remind you of the spirit be- beings who have come from the stars to brighten your human lives. Let these twelve sacred feathers draw your thoughts up and away from the gravity of petty and jealous passions. Let your thoughts fly, like these feathers have once flown on Wamli Galashka, high above the world of the little self. Take this pipe, give your thanks to the great spirit, and pass the pipe to the others in our circle. Let your thoughts be lifted up to the Great One, who comes now to stir your memories and to open the eyes of your storytellers. Every dawn that dawns red in your eastern sky, like the red bowl of this pipe, is the birth of a new and holy day. And just as the rising sun drives out of the darkness, so the light that shines in the lives of all those who love drives out the darkness of self-centeredness and dissolves the shadows that cause misfortune. Remember always to treat every creature as a sacred being. The people that live beyond the mountains, the winged ones in the air, the four-footed, the fishes that hide beneath the cool rocks in silver streams and lakes, all of these are your sisters and your brothers. All are sacred parts in the body of the Great Spirit. Each one is holy. The most difficult part of this teaching may be to extend this respect to the people of your neighboring tribes. Remember, like you, they are sacred people, given a specific work to do in the great being of Wankantaka. Their work is not your own, their tasks different from yours. But your purpose you serve is the same. The sun that shines upon you does not see you as being so different. In peace, you must live side by side with these who are a different shade of the color red. For people who are coming soon, who do not share the color of your skin, but who are white like snow that falls in the winter months, with them will also come those of black skin and those of yellow skin, 
and those of colors in between. Just as the colors blend together in rainbows that arch across the prairie when the storm is past, so you must tell the white races, the black races, and the yellow ones when they come, that though you are of red skin, you are first and foremost people of the Great Spirit. Through peaceful blending with your neighboring tribes, be an inspiration to the wandering peoples. Help lead all races into the harmony of the rainbow. And then the pipe was passed, and she was silent until all those present had taken their first smoke. A second time, the pipe was passed in reverence for the earth, a third for the four-footed and winged. A fourth time, the pipe was passed in reverence for the many tribes of humankind, those in the distant past, those living now, and those yet to be. After all gathered in the great teepee had completed their fourth smoke, the white buffalo calf woman raised the pipe reverently before her for all to see. Carry your pipe with you always. Treat it as a sacred object. Honor all creatures and live your life in harmony with the sacred way of balance of which every tree, every flower, and every new day speaks. There will be many seasons when your heart will feel clear and pure as a mountain spring, and you will know the peace and joy of the Great Spirit. But should ever your steps falter, now in the more troubled times to come, if ever you feel that you have stepped aside from the path of the sacred way, if ever your heart should feel heavy within you, do not waste time in regret. I will give you a ceremony, she said. Filling the pipe once more and relighting it from the sacred fire, a ceremony with which each of you can do in company with others, alone in your lodge or out upon the prairie. Stop your activities. Find a rock upon which to sit. Asking for the great spirit's guidance as I have taught you, unwrap your pipe and let its red bowl remind you of the sacred road, the way of life, the red pathway of the sun. After you have smoked your smokes to the great spirit, to the earth, to the animals, and to the people who are true to reality, after you have given your thanks to the four directions, then take a fifth smoke asking for the guidance of the great winged beings of the spirit world. Ask the particular winged being of the spirit world that is closest to you to help you see the wisest path to follow. Ask that spirit to help you make the clearest choice, to help you know the steps you are to take upon the path that your deepest knowing would have you travel. In time, you will come to know that spirit being as your own true self. For now, just rest in the still place where the deepest knowing makes its lodge. This will put you in touch with what you may have forgotten in the hurry of life. This will allow that fire that burns within you to speak to you in plain and unbroken terms. With this fifth smoke, the smoke that you offer to the invisible spirit that guides you, you will see that the spirit world is real inhabited by wise and benevolent beings that watch over your trials and hardships, unable to offer you help or assistance until you ask them. With this smoke, ask the spirit beings that surround you to come into your life. Tell them you want to help them and the great spirit in their work and ask them how you can do this. By helping the great spirit in his work, you will help yourself far more than if you were merely concerned with your own affairs. Human beings are not fully happy or healthy until they serve the purpose for which God created them.
Offer your sixth smoke to the six people whom you would most like to see especially blessed. A loved one whose spirit has flown from his body. A young man or woman who will soon be entering adulthood. The leader of a neighboring tribe whom you would like to see deepen in the ways of wisdom. Perhaps your own grandfathers, grandmothers, or families. Each time you do this, choose the six people whom you would most like God to smile upon them. For them, offer this smoke. She then explained how the six smoke could be taken in six smaller smokes, one for each of the people involved. While the pipe was being slowly passed, she drew circles in the sand to represent the souls of each of these six people. Then, around them all, she drew one great circle to represent the blessing. When all present had completed their sixth smoke, White Buffalo Calf Woman turned slowly to look at each one in turn. All within the teepee grew still. Even the outside breezes came to a rest, and atop the poles, the teepee flaps hung motionless. The seventh smoke, she explained, must always be taken in silence, for it was offered to the great being from which every being was drawn. For that sacred mystery at the source of life, it was better, she said, to have no words. After the seventh smoke was completed, such a unity was felt by those present in the great teepee of many skins. It seemed that in that moment as if there was but one present. In perfect stillness, stillness, the silence spread like warm water, dissolving the last traces of disharmony from the heart of the Sioux. For many moments, White Buffalo Calfwoman was silent. When she spoke again, she compared her teachings to a tree, a tree that would flower in their understanding as they took these things to heart and applied them in their daily living. She told the Sioux how their individual human lives were like the individual leaves of a tree, and how no tree has leaves so foolish as to fight among themselves. No people true to reality would be so blind, she said, as to let the individuals within their tribe contend with one another. Remember, there is no cause that justifies violence against another human being, save only in the last resort to protect yourself or family. For a long time, she continued, you will live beneath the sacred shade of this tree of understanding that I am planting in your consciousness this evening. And in the generations immediately following yours, the people of the Sioux will be united again in the sacred circle. Be true to that circle. My woman of the white buffalo, my braves, my people of the plains, be true to these ways and hold steadfast in this truth. For a time will come like a dark storm from the east when the prairies shall be overrun with those who speak fast, perceive little, and wield much power. The sacred tree of understanding that you will carry within you during these next few generations will be cut down in that storm. The tree will seem to die. The sacred hoop will wither until it is all but forgotten. A few will keep the light of truth burning within their hearts, but the light will grow dim and become, even in those, but a tiny ember. But that ember will remain. Quietly, it will remain, all but forgotten. It will still hold a small glow in the hearts of the gentle ones. Even when a strange and hurried nation covers these prairies, 
Even when your mother earth is bought and sold and stolen as if she were no more than a handful of beads, even when roaring ships of magic stone fly with people in them across the skies, that ember will still hold its tiny glow. And know this, my people, a great fire can be ignited from a single glowing ember. For when the storm is over, that ember will ignite a dawn brighter than any dawn before. A new tree will grow, more glorious than this tree I leave you with now. With that new dawn, I will return. Under the shade of that new tree, I will live with you. And with us will be gathered not only the tribes shaded red, but the white tribes from the north and the black tribes from the south and the yellow tribes from the east. In harmony, the four races will live beneath the boughs of a new tree. The age that we will see together will be the best that has ever been. All that has been broken will be made whole. The sacred hoop will be mended. The game will be plentiful, and the spirits of all creatures will rejoice in the harmony of a new and perfect order. The great spirit, the very thunderbird, will be active within the races, living, breathing, creating through the peoples of the earth. Peace will come then to the nations, for the original creators of life, the winged ones of heaven, will return. Chapter 6, The Great Peacemaker Our original vision saw the maintenance of integrity among American peoples. Had it it succeeded, the American-European exchange would have been strictly educational, with the Native Americans teaching, healing, and consciously leading the warrior tribes out of darkness. Had the tribes of America not departed from our ways, these past 500 years of human history would have unfolded quite differently. It was not just the Europeans who shattered the peace. Europeans could not have transplanted their cultures on American soil had the peoples of the lakes remained true. And yet, there is no judgment. In the America of 25 centuries ago, one incarnate in human form with sensitive human heart was bound to feel the emotional turbulence of the times. Our hope was that the truth our people had lived with so long would serve them during this age of purification, that they would feel the pressure of the fearful collective in their hearts, but not allow it to control them. Remaining a race of healers and teachers, in fact, it did not work that way. In the people of the South and Central America, where human predispositions had always been open, loving, and relaxed, the growing pressure of human of collective human consciousness began to manifest as a strange new tendency toward fearful ways of interpreting the events of the world around them. This naturally brought the egos to the forefront. Self-centered behavior was increasingly justified until it spread and became focalized in distorted city-states. Eventually, the people created what they feared. Exploitive, hierarchical societies appeared where, for many thousands of years, there had been decentralized, peaceful living in cooperation with the earth and her creatures. The people of the Americas had always had their challenges, but prior to this time, they were external challenges. The challenge of the rock and wind, heat and rain, challenging human ingenuity to meet them with successful designs. Until now, the American tribes had not encountered the destructive challenges that arise from within when people are fearful and divided within themselves. 
Once the people of the bird tribes lost touch with their external eternal spirits, they were as responsible for what the Europeans brought as the invaders themselves. They were left with no choice but to blend with the warrior tribes, that in the end all might again become conscious and whole. It was a dark hour, but not an hour without hope. The momentum of the larger cycles was still guiding all things inexorably toward eventual healing. Even after the fear, crystallization of Aztec, Incan, Mayan, Olmec, and Toltec peoples, there were still American tribes who remained true. Here and there, for a while, a few of us were incarnate and had influence. Quetzalcoatl, Degana Wida, White Buffalo Calf Woman, Ulikran, the Golden One of the Sun. But as the centuries wore on and the troubles increased, one by one, we took to the air to fly into the spirit world, to withhold human incarnation until the great flowing tide of time should return again at the changing of the age. The bird tribes do not stay. We're not invited. We do not impose. We blend only when our egos make us welcome. We flutter gently into human circuitry to offer what we are, to blend only where there is openness and trust. We incarnated as long as we could in the Americas, but eventually the pressure of the collective human consciousness fearful as it was, created sufficient emotional turbulence that incarnation among the warrior societies became too painful for the most lighthearted spirits of the stars. By the time the first European settlers began meeting Native Americans, they were meeting people whose true Native social order had been declining for over 2,000 years. By then, there were few of us incarnated as far south as the Great Lakes. Most of us had retreated inland to the mountains or far to the north. Towards the end, we left even the north without a trace, retreating disincarnate to the spirit world. We knew that the great, ever-rolling cycles would bring our time to the earth again, and most of us were content to wait. I was one of the few who continued to put on material dress. For a time, I sought to draw the nations of the North American forests into a pre-existing reality that the Ongui Hongui had once experienced. I knew that my efforts could only partially succeed during this age when the dominant human vibrations were fearful. But I also knew that the mission I set out to accomplish could greatly reduce the trauma of the pending European invasion. A confederacy of peaceful and cooperative tribes along the North Atlantic seaboard would provide a powerful center from which our energies could radiate during the troubled times that were approaching. Conceivably, our influence could spread from such a center, perhaps in time even reaching beyond the Great Lakes to touch the Mississippi and the people of the Plains. In addition to the immediate value of the confederacy to its member nations, the principles that guided the Confederate tribes would help to bring the violence that would most likely follow in the wake of the massive European migrations, which were now but a few short centuries away. The Confederacy would heighten the level of conscious exchange for what all the people of North America. It would establish a precedent in human consciousness, a template, a pattern that would subtly affect human thought for generations to come. It was a goal worth attempting. Even partial success would be of substantial long-term value. I gathered my awareness and prepared for my descent. 
I caused my spirit to glide across the forests of Ontario. From a tribe along the northern shore of the great inland sea, I felt the welcome of a family, strong and brave. I was born and raised in the Huron way. In a Huron village, I lived. As he who is now called the great peacemaker, I traveled among the Iroquois-speaking nations. I reminded them of the winged tribes available to help them and of the sacredness of all life. I taught them that warfare makes one as vicious as one's enemies and that to fight for any reason other than self-defense is to become what you detest. It was the fiercest of the northeastern tribes that I first brought my message to the Gani Kihaga, the people of the Flintstone, or Mohawks as they are called today. Through these were almost the distant, much later descendants of the original bird tribes, many generations removed. They nevertheless retained a deep inner rhythmic feel for the truths I presented. I knew that if the Mohawks agreed to the intertribal peace, it would be easier to win over the other Iroquois nations. For the Mohawks were famed for their bravery and abilities in war, and the other tribes were sure to take an interest in any significant news regarding them. That's the end of chapter six, The Great Peacemaker. And that is also all the time we have for today. Wow, what beautiful messages in there. I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, one of my favorites, I just have to reiterate, of the asking of the great spirit for help. Just That's a, a, such a huge reminder that we need to ask for help. Whenever we need it, we have to remember to ask because no help will be given unless we actually ask for it. So that's a huge message in there that I just wanted to reiterate for everyone. Remember to ask your guides for help. And I'm going to leave us all with a song. This one is by G Love and Special Sauce. This is a band I grew up listening to uh, back in Philadelphia. They were playing in small bars at the time. Um, But this song is called Peace, Love and Happiness. Hope you all enjoy and have a beautiful day. Till next time. Also, if you're craving more consciousness elevating content, be sure to check out Gaia, which is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content on the web where you can stream an incredible 7,000 plus exclusive videos covering 5,000 years of wisdom. As you all hear Brandon constantly say, it is a daily conscious effort to maintain an elevated vibration. And if you're looking to journey deep down the rabbit hole to do so, then Gaia is the best place we know of to do it, period. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A- ia.com forward slash positive head. Check it out.
your heart beats to know that life's worth living. Feel your feet on the earth. You better love it while it's still here spinning. I got no time to worry about troubles or misgivings. Need to let it flow. Let yourself go. 'Cause if you're hating and you sure ain't living, give me some peace, love, happiness. Yeah. Hey. 